When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. The telephone number, Julian Kushnick, Tom Bauer. They are with us. They are producing the program tonight. And we'll take it till Anita and the weekend wager coming up at 10. As always, you can get me on Twitter at Dan Grasso, G-R-A-C-A. And this, you know what? This really and truly is a great weekend, is it not? If you are a sports fan in this city, like what more can you possibly want? What more could you crave and ask for? You got Mets and Braves, which in all probability is going to decide the National League East. And really over the last like six weeks, we kind of figured that we would be steamrolling to this series and this weekend. Despite the fact that, you know, the Mets did their best to keep Atlanta around and couldn't pull away even when they were given opportunities. And now here it is, three games, may the best team win. And then he got the proceedings in the Bronx with Judge Watch continuing. And now we're a little bit closer at least, right? He's got a tie of the record. He's, he's, he's sitting right there alongside Roger Maris. But is he going to be able to hit one more home run? And preferably, if you're a Yankee fan, you want him to do it sometime over the next three days. Now, I don't know what the schedule is going to look like. I don't know how the weather is going to factor in because tomorrow it's going to be pretty nasty. And there's even a chance of rain, I guess, on Sunday. So you don't know if they're going to be able to get all three games in here this weekend. But at the very least, he's going to have a chance to make some history in front of the fans there at Yankee Stadium. And I'm sure that folks paid a pretty penny, you know, on the secondary market to go out there and, you know, make sure they have a chance to witness it and to be a part of it and all those things. Even though that the games themselves really don't mean all that much if you are the New York Yankees because you got the division wrapped up. You know, you got that first round by wrapped up. I mean, it really doesn't even matter what happens results-wise in these games other than the fact that as long as Aaron Judge hits a home run, that's really it. So plenty of baseball as we are now less than a week remaining in the regular season. And then, of course, you got the football. And this is a football Friday, and we're going to have all of our usual traditions that we have on the football Friday. We'll do our picks a little bit later on. We'll go around the league and preview all the week four games for you. In the NFL, we'll have our guests galore. Jordan Renan will join us to talk Giants. Greg Buttle on the Jets. We'll do our behind enemy lines feature tonight on the Giants opponent. That would be the Chicago Bears. Tom Thayer, who's a member of their radio network. He was a former Bear offensive lineman. So Tom will join us a little bit later on. But he got two games this weekend for the two locals. And quite frankly, it's two games that each team probably has a good chance to win. Right? I mean, when you look at... What the Jets have lined up this weekend in Pittsburgh, I know it's the Steelers, and I know it's the black and gold, and I know it's the tradition, and when you walk into there, you're tripping over Lombardi trophies. I get all that stuff. But this current collection of Steelers, not all that impressive. Not all that intimidating. Am I right? You know, their best player, TJ Watt, is not even going to be playing in this game, which means, hey, that's opportunity for the Jets. Zach Wilson is back. You have your starting quarterback. Now you can finally get a glimpse of what this team was intended to look like. All the different pieces that were brought in and how they fit in this puzzle. Now you have that centerpiece, the quarterback. 
which is what every single thing was supposed to be orchestrated around. Let's see how it goes. Now, I don't think it's going to be perfect. I mean, when you don't play for six weeks and you don't get a chance to face those live bullets, I mean, naturally, there's going to be a little bit of an adjustment period, is there not? You can't expect the quarterback, especially a guy who's only in his second year, to go out there and just start slinging it around as if, you know, he's in sync and he's in rhythm when he's missed this much time. But it's still a very winnable game for the Jets. You know, Pittsburgh is not scaring anybody, certainly offensively. And really, that's the common theme between the Jets and the Giants here this weekend, is that they are playing the two worst offenses in the National Football League on Sunday, the Steelers and the Chicago Bears, who are going to go to the Meadowlands this weekend to face a Giants team, which now deals with having to bounce back from their first loss of the season, right? On a short week. Now, the Bears aren't a juggernaut, but as the NFL would have it each and every year, you know, crazy things happen. Things that we can't predict always seem to take place. And in this case on Sunday at MetLife Stadium, somebody's going to walk off that field with a 3-1 record, either the Giants or the Bears. And I don't know too many people who thought that these two teams would be among the ones with the better records in the NFC, even though it's the first four games of the season. But somebody is going to be a 3-1 football team. Now, I know that records are misleading, and I know that you still have, you know, a ways to go, and you still have to, you know, navigate through a tough year, and the schedule's going to get harder and all those type of things. But 3-1 and is 3-1. and You don't want to give those games back. And it'll be interesting if you're a Giant fan. Like I said, you know, you're coming off of a loss for the first time. This is Brian Dayball's first game as a head coach in which he lost the previous week. How is he going to rally the troops? How is he going to see, you know, what this team is made out of? Is he going to, you know, see a group that's resilient when they run out of that tunnel on Sunday afternoon and shake off that game on Monday against the Cowboys as if it never happened? Now, Giants are banged up. You know, Leonard Williams ain't going to play again. You're not going to see Wandale Robinson. You're not going to see Kadarius Toney, among others. So they're going to be less than whole. But it really isn't brain surgery when you sit here and try to point out, okay, what is it going to take for the Giants to win this game? You know what it's going to take? It's going to take for Daniel Jones to actually have a fighting chance. And it was shocking to me the other night, after that performance when he was pressured 24 times or whatever it was, I lost count, by the Dallas Cowboys and was just running for his life all night long. There were a lot of people that were sitting there and using it as a referendum on Daniel Jones, the quarterback. Not the fact that the offensive line just didn't know what the hell they were doing and couldn't block the Cowboys if they tried, but they made it about Daniel Jones and that, oh, he just reaffirmed that he's not an NFL franchise quarterback, that this is not the guy, if you're the Giants, that you want to build your entire organization around. You know what? We've seen a lot of Daniel Jones over the years, and you could maybe have formed that opinion the first three years of his career, but to sit there and watch that game Monday night and to place blame and to point the finger at Daniel Jones specifically in saying that is why the Giants lost, or that game was a reflection on Daniel Jones and his true abilities as a quarterback, I I mean, you missed it. That's all I could say. You missed it. You missed the performance, right? You sat through the entire movie, and you didn't get what it was about. If that is your takeaway from the Giants game on Monday night, because that's not the takeaway. Takeaway is he's doing the best he can because he got an offensive line, which is like Swiss cheese. And Evan Neal had a rough night at the office on Monday. This is one of your pillars 
a guy you drafted in the first round that you hoped is going to be a foundational player for you. Let's see how he bounces back, right? Let's see what he's got in the tank. What, 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 what kind of intestinal fortitude is he made up of after that rough one the other night where Demarcus Lawrence and company basically took him to school? So there's a lot happening this weekend, and I can't wait. You know, if you don't have to leave the house, if you don't have to go out, good for you. Tomorrow's going to be a great day to just sit on the couch and, you know, take in whatever sports we can. You know, a lot of college football, of course. Mets are going to play tomorrow night. The weather's going to be lousy around here. And then, of course, you had week four in the NFL start last night, which was just, I mean, you know, I'm not surprised by the outcome. Told you I thought Cincinnati would win that game. Now they're kind of rounding into form a little bit. And, you know, that was a tough ask for Miami. After how much they had to exhaust in that game against the Bills on Sunday, defense, 90 snaps for them in that game. And then on a short week, travel on the road to play a Bengals team, which, you know, the home team has the advantage in these Thursday night games. It's no secret. But you don't even really remember what the hell happened in the game. You just remember that one play in particular with Tua Tungavailoa, which was um, as scary as scary could be. When you're worrying about a quarterback and him staying upright and trying to avoid serious injury, we were on the air last night when it happened. So I didn't really necessarily get the full effect. But that's how you could tell how serious it was because you didn't even have to hear the game. You could be sidetracked doing something else like a talk radio program just to see. And I remember whatever I was discussing at the time, I said, oh, my God, two was hurt. Something's not right because you saw him get flinged to the ground and then you saw his hands the way they were and you knew that this was indeed serious. And there's going to be answers, and there is going to have to be several questions that is going to come from this, and rightfully so. The way the whole matter was handed, and not just in the aftermath of what happened last night, but how did we even get to last night? And how was he even cleared to play after what appeared to be a concussion last week against the Buffalo Bills? And the NFL Players Association has had a lot to say over the last 24 hours, and rightfully so, and you figure this is going to get messy. And this is going to get hairy. Let's put it this way. It is not going to be a just conventional, easy, put your feet up and relax, take advantage of that mini-buy if you're the Miami Dolphins before you get back out on the field to play. Who's that again? Oh, yeah, the Jets on October the 9th when they come up here to MetLife Stadium. Boy, isn't that ironic? Might be seeing Teddy Bridgewater in that game, or you might be seeing Tua, but nevertheless, you're going to hear a lot about the Miami Dolphins over the next week and a half, before they even get up here to play that football game. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. It's a fun night. We'll be on Judge Watch all night long. We'll keep you posted as soon as he comes up to bat, everything that he does. There's even talk now that Matt Carpenter could be back in the Yankee lineup next week when they go down to Texas. That's good news, not just for Texas, but that he's going to be available for the playoffs, perhaps. DJ LeMahieu was off the shelf. He's in the lineup tonight, and you got to temper your expectations with DJ for the rest of the year because you know that that toe is not right, and he is a shell of the guy that we have all come to appreciate for what he could bring to the field. And the Mets and Braves speaks for themselves to ground against Freed. And, oh, by the way, Mets have a new DH tonight. Yeah. Francisco Alvarez. How about that? I actually was like, when I heard that they were bringing him up, and it happened kind of right after we got off the air last night, I was kind of like secretly hoping that they called up Francisco Alvarez and still wrote Darren Ruff's name in the lineup just to see the collective 
just freak out from the Met fans. I mean, you know, Darren Ruff goes on the IL, so Alvarez could get the roster spot. I don't even know if it's a legitimate injury. Who the heck knows? They just, you know. I think that his uh, performance spoke for itself, and he wasn't going to merit having a roster spot on this team moving forward and certainly not into the playoffs. So we'll see what Alvarez can do. And, kid, welcome to the big leagues. 20 years old, much ballyhooed prospect. You're in the lineup tonight as the DH in only the most important game of the season. Go have at it. Great night. Great weekend if you're a sports fan. Tom Thayer on the Bears at 8 o'clock. Greg Buttle at 8.30 on the Jets. Jordan Renan on the Giants at 9.30. NFL picks around the NFL. So much to get to on this Friday. Dan Grosser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. By the way, put a poll up on the old Twitter account there, at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. What sporting event are you most anticipating this weekend? And, of course, the usual suspects. Mets Braves, Judge in his home run watch, Jets Steelers, Giants Bears. So just click on, cast your vote, you know, rock the vote, do your civic duty, as all the kids say these days. No electioneering or anything like that. We're not handing out bumper stickers or flyers or buttons or nothing. Just just curious. See where everybody's priorities lie this week. And so far, we, I mean, we put this thing up like a few minutes ago, and we got a nice response already here, well over 100 votes. And the early leader in the clubhouse is Mets Braves. And I would agree because it's the biggest games. I mean, all three of these games are going to matter tremendously, right? You know, Judge is an individual record. Football, yeah, it's football, yeah, it's important, but it's it's just one game, even though it's only one of 17, and there's still a lot of season left. There's not much season left after Mets Braves. I mean, this is this is it. Let's go to the phones. Let's say hi to Drew. He is in Norwalk. He is going to be our leadoff hitter tonight on 98.7 ESPN. Drew, how are you? Doing well, Dan. How's it going? Good, Drew. What's going on? Not too much. Um, I hate to say it for the Yankee fans, but I have a feeling that Baltimore might give uh, Judge the same sort of treatment that Toronto did. Um, it's in their best interest to pitch around the hottest hitter in baseball, and they're still playing for something. They're still playing for that last wild card spot. So as, as much as I hate to see it, it, it could be a little bit more disappointment this weekend on Judge Watch. Uh, just throwing it out there. But, um, yeah, I'd love to hear your take on that. It's, it's possible, you know, and Drew, you never know with these things, and thank you for the phone call, because then you always have 
you know, you, you play like the the detective game. If Judge is getting all these walks, like what happened to him certainly when he went through that seven-game drought of not hitting a home run until the other night, you know, we sat there and examined, like, did they actually pitch to him or did they pitch around him or were those just, okay, I dare you to hit it, but we're not going to give you anything good to hit because that happened in Boston, happened in Toronto a couple times. It, it, you know, and you're right. Baltimore still technically, I mean, look, it's not a great chance, but Boston or Baltimore still has a pulse, ever so slight, a little pulse. Their elimination number is one because the Seattle Mariners can clinch a playoff spot um, coming up tonight with either a win or an Orioles loss, believe it or not. And that's significant, too, because not just for what it can mean for the Yankees and, and so on and so forth, but remember, Seattle, not only do they have the longest playoff drought in baseball, they've got the longest postseason drought in American team sports. NBA, NHL, NFL, MLB, Seattle Mariners, 2001. That was the last time they made the playoffs. Can you imagine that, not making the playoffs for 21 years? And the crazy thing is that just, to me, the 2001, that Seattle team, it seems like yesterday. Wasn't all that long ago. Because all you heard about that year was that team that with Ichiro, remember that was Ichiro's first year. He was the MVP, the rookie of the year, all those things. They won 116 games, set the regular season record, all those things. And then what happened? They get to the playoffs and they lose to the Yankees. Right, they lose to the Yankees. Uh, Tom in Westchester, he is going to be up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Tommy, how you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? Good, Tom. What's going on? Hey, I'm curious. Would it be so outrageous to compare Daniel Jones this year to like Josh Allen second year with Brian Dabble? I mean, learning a new offense, great offensive coach. First time he's had that. Um, I think you got a little ways to go before you make that comparison, because I'll tell you why. It's not even so much of an indictment on Daniel Jones. If you look at how those Bills teams were structured compared to the way this Giants team is built, it's like night and day. The Bills were already putting the pieces in place of helping out their young quarterback be successful. The offensive line was getting built up. They were starting to surround him with playmakers on the outside, and then it was that following offseason where they made the big splashy trade to go get Stephon Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings, and then he had himself a number one go-to wide receiver. Daniel Jones needs a lot, or whoever the quarterback of the Giants is going to be, needs a lot of help still in terms of the offense. That's it. And second question, I guess, that would be, everybody wants the Giants to be competitive. They're not winning a Super Bowl. So if they win seven games, right, Mm -hmm. decent season, competitive, better than they've had, they're not getting a new quarterback in the draft. There's no draft capital to trade for. And middle of the pack, you're not going to end up with a great quarterback. You don't know that. You know, I mean, Thomas, we don't know, right? And I thank you for the phone call. I mean, everybody seems to think you have to be picking in the top five to get the great quarterback. Remember, Josh Allen was the fourth quarterback taken off the board that year in the draft. Think about that. Third of the fourth. But he was definitely behind Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And what did he go? Eighth overall, I want to say? Something like that? Let me look it up here. Seventh. He was seventh overall. So there were six players taken before him. You know, Patrick Mahomes was not a top five pick. Lamar Jackson, that same year in 2018, remember, he went with the final pick of the first round. And he was the fifth quarterback taken. So it's an inexact science. Bottom line is, if you find a guy 
in this draft, and supposedly still got a lot of college football to play, but there's a lot of talented QBs in this draft. And so if that's the case, you know what? You're going to have your chance to maybe get a guy that you think is a good fit for your offense, a good fit for your system, because remember something. There are quarterbacks, and teams are very, very particular about this. They will draft quarterbacks reflective on the scheme that they run offensively. So if you've got a guy like Brian Dable, you know, most teams might consider whatever quarterback to be the number one prospect. But Giants staff, they may not feel that this guy, whoever it might be, is the best one suited for their team and their system. And that's fair. You know? But you got to be right. You can have your beliefs and you can stick to your convictions and all, but you know what? You got to be right. And I think to me, look, good quarterback is a good quarterback. Good quarterback should be like a chameleon. You could play in anything, in anything, any system, any offense, any whatever. But the Giants will have a chance, you know. And I guess, like in a perfect world, I mean, you look at the Giant fan right now, and even though it's only been three games, I have this sense that maybe they've already made up their mind about how they really feel towards Daniel Jones moving forward, right? How do they really feel? They're pretty much talking about him like it's yesterday's news, and they're getting ready to throw him out with the bathwater, and that there's no way he's going to be the giant quarterback again come 2023. And I wouldn't close the book on him yet. I, I really wouldn't. Now, ultimately, I do think they're going to bring in somebody else because I've just always felt that way. But could Daniel Jones be part of the mix? Yeah, I think he can. But I don't think that we're going to be seeing a situation where absolutely 100% the Giants are going to hand Daniel Jones the starting job going into training camp next year. There's going to be a competition if he's on this team, whether that's with a rookie, whether that's with another veteran that they maybe bring in from the outside and some other team. But it's not going to be just Daniel Jones' job like it was this year, for example. I know that Tyrod Taylor came in, but Daniel Jones was the quarterback, right? And let's see what happens. But what the problem you have if you're the Giants and trying to make an evaluation on Daniel Jones is if you keep getting crappy offensive line play like you saw on Monday night, right, and all of the wide receivers are injured, like what's going to be the case coming up here when they face the Chicago Bears on Sunday, is that really doing him justice? Is that allowing him to be successful the best possible way? I mean, Richie James, David Sills, and Kenny Galladay, if those are your available wide receivers come Sunday or your top wide receivers come Sunday, what quarterback are you going to realistically expect to go out there and be successful and to have a monster day if that's who he's throwing to? you got to look at it both ways, right? Yeah, it's one thing that the quarterback needs to go out there and perform, but if you're giving him nothing to work with, don't you have to adjust your expectations to a certain degree? 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Judge is up to bat right now. First one of the night. He's working a 3-2 count on Jordan Lyles. Hey, remember he hit that 61st home run on a 3-2 count. Maybe lightning is going to strike twice. We shall see when it comes to Mr. Number 99. And he strikes out swinging in his first at bat. So, Better luck next time. He'll have a few more opportunities here for the rest of the night. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. When we come back, get into 
the addition of Francisco Alvarez. And boy, you talk about the Mets picking the most opportune time to bring up their much ballyhooed prospect and put him right in the lineup for the most important game of the season. Dan Grasso Show, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> we all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Judge a strikeout victim in his first at bat tonight as he is still in pursuit of the record and number 62. It's funny, like you don't even give the score of the Yankee games. It doesn't even matter, right? It, it doesn't matter at all. But they're playing, you know, second inning and they're losing one nothing for those that, that do care. But it's all about Judge and whether or not he's going to hit one over the fence tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. Mets, of course, the game is way more important. They are scoreless in the uh, bottom of the first inning. Mets got a hit in the top of the first but unable to advance him past first base against Max Fried. And now Jacob DeGrom is on the mound tonight for the Amazons. And, you know, we were talking about it a little bit with Don and Peter at the end of the K show about DeGrom and, you know, what you hope to see from him tonight. And it's a big start. You know, it's a big start, not just because, oh, it's for first place and, oh, they're playing the Atlanta Braves. No, it's a big start for Jacob DeGrom. And when was the last time we ever insinuated that about him, that we had, like, concern whenever he would step on the rubber? I mean, he was supposed to be, like, the epitome of confidence, of, you know, all right, we got him. We got nothing to worry about. We're going to have a chance to win the game. But, you know, last couple of outings been a little bit of a cause for concern, don't you think? Just because of the way that start against the Pittsburgh Pirates ended, where he just suddenly lost it in the sixth inning and gave up the three-run game-tying home run to O'Neill Cruz, despite the fact that he struck out 13 hitters before that. But, you know, we've seen DeGrom kind of let up a little bit in the sixth inning of some of these games this year, where all of a sudden, like, the wheels would come off. And then last time out against the Oakland Athletics was something that we had never seen before. I was out and about on Saturday afternoon when the Mets were playing the A's and, and you know, DeGrom was on the mound. And I'm keeping track. I'm checking the score on the, the MLB app on my phone. And then when I saw, like, Oakland scored four runs in the first inning, I legitimately was, like, texting friends of mine, and I'm saying, like, is, is your MLB thing working? I think mine's broke. It says that, that DeGrom gave up four runs in the first inning to the crappy A's. But, no, that was real. And it was one of the worst starts of his career, one of the worst starts we've seen from him, certainly in the last, like, three, four years. And you hope that that's all it was. You hope it was just a one-off. And the fact that this guy hadn't really pitched much in that building, that might have been his first start ever in that building, the, the dumpy Coliseum out there in Oakland. So you hope that's what it was and nothing more, nothing less, because, you know, Don threw out that scenario to me right when we hopped on that, 
you know, what would you rather have? The Mets win a slugfest tonight and DeGrom does not pitch all that good? Or would you rather rather have them, like, you know, lose 2-1 to one in extra innings, but DeGrom is, you know, masterful out there and he's vintage DeGrom? I think that DeGrom, and, the, the DeGrom performance is almost more important. Now, you may disagree. Look, I'm not sitting here trying to minimize that the game isn't important. It is. But the Mets are not going to win anything big picture without DeGrom being a horse and being a legit stopper. Remember, this is like a, a two-man proposition. It's DeGrom, it's Scherzer. Both of these guys have to be studs if the Mets are going to win a World Series this year. That's why they gave Max all that money, to pair him with DeGrom and to be the two guys that, you know, think back to 2001 with Schilling and Randy Johnson with the Arizona Diamondbacks. And they were able to vanquish a dynasty in the New York Yankees with a little help from, you know, ninth-inning rally and whatnot. And Luis Gonzalez off of Mariano Rivera. But still, those two guys were the MVPs of the World Series because they were virtually unhittable. That's what you hope this version of the Mets are with DeGrom and Scherzer, and we shall see. Now, the Mets do get a little bit of a new look tonight because Francisco Alvarez is in the lineup. He's batting seventh. He's DHing. And Francisco Alvarez, for those who have been hiding under a rock for the last six months, he's their number one prospect. And depending on what publication that you look at, he's the number one overall prospect in baseball. He's a catcher, but he's not in the lineup catching tonight. He's going to be the designated hitter. And to me, it makes perfect sense, right? They need some help when it comes to, you know, the right side of the plate. Darren Ruff uh, did not cut it, to say the least. I mean, I could have went up there and did better than Darren Ruff, you know, from the time that the Mets acquired him. You probably could have, too, if you're a righty, of course. But now Alvarez is going to get a shot. And is it a lot to throw on the kid's plate? Absolutely. You know, if he goes up there and goes 0 for 10 this weekend, are you going to throw the book at, you know, Francisco Alvarez and say that he's a bust and he's never going to pan out? No, of course not. This is an extremely, extremely challenging circumstance, and most young players are not making their big league debuts in the middle of a pennant race against the team that you're vying for first place against. That does not happen with six days left in the season. So you cut him a little bit of slack, and then anything you do get in terms of a positive contribution, you hope it's a bonus. Here was Billy Epler, the Met general manager, talking about what led to Alvarez getting that call up. Yeah, I mean, you know, we got into a circumstance here where we had a need, and uh, he's been, you know, checking the boxes on on what we need developmentally. So, uh, you know, we gave him the opportunity. You think about it, other guys have been called up this year for the Mets. You know, Brett Beatty, most notably, what was that, about a month, month and a half ago? You know, the third baseman, and he got hurt, but... You know, he got to make his debut, and you were just, like, waiting for Francisco Alvarez. I'll tell you this. How many teams, forget about just the Mets and, you know, how they operated under their previous owners, but how many teams would actually foot the bill and kickstart a guy like Francisco Alvarez's service time and start that clock with six days left in the season? Think about that. You think the Wilpon group was calling up Francisco Alvarez with a week left in the season? No way. No way. But this is a new era. This is a new world. This is Steve Cohen's Mets, where money be no obstacle. Oh, well, so his service time starts. We're going to lose him for one, you know, have him for one less year down the road. Oh, well, we're trying to win a World Series this year, and we think that this guy is one of the better right-handed bats that we have in the organization, even though he's only 20 years old and he hasn't played a game yet in the big leagues. You love that. you got to like that if you're a Mets fan. Buck Showalter meeting the media this afternoon. Same thing about the expectations for the youngster. 
there are only six games left. Do you think there's enough time for, for you guys to get a good read on how much he can help? Nobody's that good. We'll take what's there. This is about tonight's nine innings, and uh, we think he, he has potential to help us. We'll see. Anybody thinks that they're that smart? I mean, they, we can't ask him to extend the season. Hey, hold hold up, and let's send him to instructional league. For you no, know, he's where he needs to be. He's in a good place, swinging the bat, and we hope to take advantage of him. If not, you know, Max Fried's gonna he's gonna face one of the best pitchers in the game tonight. Here's the bottom line, right? Ask yourself this: If you're a Met fan, and you've sat there and you've watched Darren Ruff just completely whiff in big spots since he's been here, right? Don't you think you would much rather take your chances, even on Francisco Alvarez? Even though he may not get a hit this weekend, maybe he's going to be too overwhelmed by the situation. Wouldn't you rather have, like, some fresh blood out there as opposed to the guy that you know is not going to get it done in all probability? I have no issue with it whatsoever. Like I said, I think it's invigorating. It's fantastic. You know, 99% of the teams in baseball would never do this in their right mind just because of the economics. Not Steve Cohen and not the Mets anymore. Nope. If he can help us win, he's going to be here, and he's going to put on a Met uniform. Shocked the hell out of me. Like I said, we were off the air last night. I might have even gotten home, and I see the news, and I'm like, wow. Really? He's coming up? He going to play tonight? Because you know that they weren't going to call him up just to let him go sit on the bench. That would have been really stupid. So he's in there. And we'll be keeping an eye on his at-bats tonight just as much as we're keeping an eye on what Aaron Judge is going to do. That's for sure. 800-919-3776. We come, um, Tom Thayer is going to join us at 8 o'clock. Our behind enemy lines feature on the Giants opponent this week, the Chicago Bears, former Bear offensive lineman. Now he's a part of their radio network. He'll join us at 8. We come back. We'll talk a little Big Blue and Chicago Bear football and what we could expect to see coming up on Sunday at MetLife Stadium. Dan Gross's show right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Gross's show on 98.7 ESPN. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Before we get to the Giants, just real quick, Mets have struck first. 
1-0 lead on the Atlanta Braves. Luis Guillorme with a two-out base hit to left field to drive home Jeff McNeil to give the Mets that 1-0 lead. And you could thank the Braves and their shoddy defense in left field, namely Eddie Rosario, who completely lost one in the lights earlier in the inning to allow one to drop in in front of him, which shouldn't have been. And then he misplays that line drive hit by Guillaume as he comes sliding down for it and could not corral it. Mets will take it. They're not apologizing. They got a one nothing lead now for Mr. DeGrom. Francisco Alvarez in his first at bat. He grounded into a double play, but he swung at a first pitch breaking ball and he hit a hot shot to third. Great pick on it by Austin Riley and he goes around the horn 5-4-3 but it didn't end up costing the Mets because they're able to get the two out RBI there so one nothing amazons in the second inning out there at Truist Park but as far as the Giants are concerned you know this is another opportunity for them just like Monday night was to just stack another victory up there against a very beatable team right I mean the Bears say what you want Bears are not a great football team you know, that 2-1 and one record right now, don't let it deceive you. That first game of the season the Bears played, remember, it was against San Francisco, and it was played in a monsoon, which greatly, greatly evened the playing field between those two teams. And that was even with Trey Lance playing that day for the 49ers. It was before he got hurt. But the Bears' offense quite possibly could be the worst in the National Football League, the absolute worst. What can they do well? Well, they can run the football. But David Montgomery, one of their backs, he's not going to be playing on Sunday. So you're going to get Khalil Herbert, who filled in pretty good uh, in that game last week against the Texans. So the Giants are going to have to stop the run first and foremost on defense, something they did not do well against the Cowboys on Monday night. And what makes it a little bit trickier again is that Leonard Williams is not going to play on Sunday. Uh, He's out. Kadarius Toney's out. Wandale Robinson is out. So when you're looking at the wide receiver core, And if you want to get Daniel Jones on track to a certain degree, Richie James, David Sills the fifth, Kenny Galladay, you know, that's the available targets that he is going to be throwing to out there against this Bears defense. Now, look, it's not the 85 Bears defense. You know, they're okay, but maybe this is an afternoon where Daniel Jones is not going to be running for his life as frequently as he did on Monday. I mean, you're you're not going to see many more games like that that you got there on Monday. And if he's going to have any chance, and if this team is going to have any sort of chance, they have to give him a chance, right? They have to protect this guy. You can't have your quarterback having to improv on every single play when he receives the ball from center. That's not what quarterback playing in the National Football League is about. And it's really just clouding the evaluation of this player. Now, look, I don't know. They're not going to tell you one way or the other. Does Brian Dayball have an idea about what Daniel Jones is? Does Joe Shane have an idea what Daniel Jones is? Like, have they already made up their mind as to whether or not he's going to be here, he's not going to be here, if they want him here or not? You know, if he's here long term? I I don't know. But the better he plays, maybe it is going to do some sort of an adjustment in their calculus. Because this is one you can't get wrong. And you have to get it right. It's only the most important position in sports. Now, on the other side of things, you know, we told you during the summer, when it came to Justin, remember, everybody loved Justin Fields coming out of Ohio State, right? Everybody loved Justin Fields. Loved him. 
Oh, the Jets should take Justin Fields. All these, you know, everybody that was smarter than you and smarter than me when they were evaluating these quarterbacks coming into the draft. It's, oh, Justin Fields should be the second quarterback take, not Zach Wilson. Jets are out of their minds for taking Zach. Well, they should have taken Justin Fields. Okay, well, how's Justin Fields working out in Chicago? And the organization, the decisions they made all throughout the offseason – they were almost setting him up for failure. Not that that was their intent, and I'm talking about the Bears. Do any guys on this offense scare you if you're an opposing defense? Like, look at who he's throwing to. You know, the offensive line has done a nice job run blocking this year, but Fields is having a run for his life at times as well. You know, this is, this is tough. And they don't trust him either. Fields has thrown the ball 45 times so far this year in three games. Think about that. In the NFL, Joe Flacco has thrown the ball more than 45 times, I think, in like every game the Jets have played so far. And that's all he's done so far. And oh, by the way, he's thrown four interceptions. That might not seem like a lot, but that's a lot. If you only put it up in the air 45 times and 10% of the time it's getting picked off, that's bad. So this is a quarterback where if some of you were hoping that maybe he would make this quantum leap in year number two, he's going backwards. And you know, I don't even know if backwards is the right word because last year was a struggle when he finally got his opportunity. And then on the other hand, you know, like you compare it to what Zach Wilson could maybe or maybe not do this week against the Steelers, but you lot got to let him play. That's all this nonsense talk about, oh, you know, leave Flacco in there. The offense, no, you have to play these kids. That's why, you know, Fields might be struggling. The Bears might not be good, but Fields should play. Young quarterbacks need to play. That's the only way you're going to figure this thing out. I want to see the two guys off the edge again for the Giants this week. You know, Thibodeau and Ojolari, yeah, they played on Monday night, but they were on a pitch count, and they really didn't make much of an impact in the game, right? Now they got their legs underneath them a little bit more. They got a game underneath their belt. I want to see these guys turn loose. I want to see these guys applying pressure off the edge because that's what they're there for. And you got to think, in theory, you know, the Giants, up until this point, they played three games with minimal to little to no contributions at all from their two main outside edge rushers. So what is that going to look like on Sunday if you got these guys all right now an active part of the defense. What it tells me is that you're probably going to expect to see Wink Martindale dialing up some of those exotic blitzings and things that he does to throw off a young quarterback, especially somebody like Justin Fields who hasn't seen a lot of this in his career. It's going to be interesting to see. It really is. And I think the Giants, this is a game that's extremely, extremely winnable for them. Speaking of Thibodeau, he talked the other day about what is it going to take to stop this Bears rushing attack. I think every game when you look at it, it's about stopping the run, right? Once you can turn into a drop back game, you kind of have that advantage. So um, given that we gave up a lot of run yards last game, we're really, you know, focusing on stopping the run and we're going to harp on um, making sure we have good fits, good technique, and, you know, we kind of play true to our fundamentals. Giants stop the run, they're going to win this game. Stop the run, they're going to win this game. 100%. Because I don't, I can't see Chicago moving the ball offensively. I can't. Let's say hi to Sharif in Staten Island up next here on 9870 ESPN. How are you? Hey, how are you? Uh, just 
I just, you know, I've, I've been listening to the radio forever, and, you know, it's it's hard to make a judgment on these quarterbacks. Like, I would love if just for one weekend if they say, hey, Daniel Jones, you go quarterback for the Jets just to see what kind of quarterback you are. Because Zach Wilson, he has weapons, so he should succeed. Um, and, you know, could you imagine Peyton Manning when he first started the NFL with all those uh, interceptions that he threw? Mm-hmm. Uh, that if he was a rookie, he, he would not. He would never been made the Hall of Fame. And then on top of that, you know, they letting these rookies play rookie second year, third year. They have to open up the offensive playbook and stop playing offense scared. Throw the ball deep three, four, five times a game. Throw a twenty yard down to the tight ends. Stop with these five yard dinks. It's it's like you you want to see what he has. Make it happen. Play action. Roll over. Swing it 20, 30, 40 times. See what he got. I, Sarif, I don't disagree with you, and I thank you for the phone call. Each team, each cornerback, different circumstances based on how the team is built. That's the bottom line, and that's why the evaluation is so complicated. It's not cut and dry. We come back. We'll go behind the enemy lines and find out about the Chicago Bears Right after we tell you that the Braves have taken a 2-1 lead, DeGrom giving up back-to-back home runs to start the bottom of the second. Something's off with this guy. Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN.